Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Johto PR. We're the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Sean Campbell of Cascade Insights about marketing for professional service companies. Sean's the CEO of Cascade Insights, where he mentors companies on how to seize opportunities in the B2B technology sector. Sean, thanks for jumping on with us today. Yeah, absolutely happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So first thing, to get to right away for the listeners, marketing for professional service companies, what is meant by professional service companies? Well, one of the things that immediately leaps to mind for me is there's a book um, that's been around for a number of years that described what it meant to market professional services. And the title of the book was Selling the Invisible. Uh, and that's a fairly decent handle. And where I think people get a little confused is when they think of services, um, you know, they think of everything from a landscaping service to the guy that comes in, fixes your dryer if something goes wrong or, you know, that kind of thing. And those are services too, just like a lawyer's a service and a doctor's a service and those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, there's an interesting, I think, thing that happens when you market services in terms of how commoditized the service is. If it's really commoditized, like, you know, nothing against landscaping companies, right? How many of them are within your zip code in Google? Probably like 700, right? You know, at some point, you know, or, you know, an SEO professional or take your pick, right? You know what I mean? There's certain sectors where there's just a million of these folks, right? And you- You say nothing you know, against them, but I can hear at any given time working from home now, one of these freaking blowers outside. <laughs> right. well, I, I do have something against them, um, yeah, but I know yeah, that wasn't no, your fair. point. <laughs> no, no. I, I think we all, we all working from home have gotten used to like, what's our good side. Some of us have become pros at three point lighting. And some of us know there's lots of noise outside our house that we never knew of before. Right. And so, um, but where I'm going with this is like, you've got the more commoditized the services sale is, the more it feels like you're selling a product. Right. Because, you know, do you really know the owner of the landscaping business? No, you kind of are buying the product of a mowed lawn, right? right. And you're going to pay X amount. of. And, and, and a little side note, I don't want to spend too much time on this side of professional services, but because, uh, you know, we own a different kind of services firm, but like, I would say that sometimes the people at that end of the market are getting bad advice. Like, um, you know, they're told to kind of treat their marketing almost like it's all about the expertise of the owner, the expertise of the crew. And I think there's kind of a fundamental mistake that creeps in there because, you know, let's say there's this uh, painting shop or a guard gardening shop or a masonry guy or whatever, who's told like, the only reason people are going to go to your site as a service provider is if you're an expert. And I would say, well, technically that's wrong. They're probably just looking for whoever's in their neighborhood and describes their services the most effectively, right? They so don't really care version, that you've been doing it for 30 years, right, right? At that point. It's some version of just calling yourself AAA painting. So you're first in the yellow pages, but oh, right, half right. the or, listeners yeah, are like, like, what's a yellow page? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve Jobs was famously quoted as one of the reasons they got named Apple was he actually was thinking of the yellow pages back in the day. Like they mm -hmm. wanted to be toward the top of, of the list. So, but the kind of services where I have more experience are more like higher end professional services. So where it really is selling the invisible, you are really selling the talent of your team and you're selling their ability to create 
some kind of change inside a larger company, right? Or a small company. And so, you know, this is lawyers. This is basically, um, you know, management consultants. This is, in our case, we're market researchers and marketers. Um, you know, sales consultants would be similar. All of these folks are basically fundamentally selling something invisible. Now, they try to productize what they do sometimes. But at the end of the day, they're selling this kind of invisible thing called competency. Right. Um, and and that's that's why I say that. So they are the, 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 the this is where the service part is. You got your landscapers and you have your plumbers and you have those kind of things. But then when you say professional, it's like, OK, now they're the plumb, the business plumbers. Um, they're providing services to businesses, basically. So you're saying lawyers, you're saying IT right. service people, all those kinds of industries. Right, right. My entire experience in my life is B2B. So all I've ever done is sell B2B stuff. I mean, my experience of B2C selling is as a consumer, pretty much, right? That That's right. where I'm at. And so, um, you know, if somebody listening has professional service aspirations in a B2B context, or if you own a professional services firm, that's focused on B2B, you know, that's, that's where I have the greatest value to bring just based on past history of owning firms like that and marketing and selling them. Right. Okay. So for the people who aren't in companies that are professional services, hopefully the ones who are already knew like, yeah, yeah, he's talking about me. That's what, that's what's meant by professional services. So if you're, if you're in a software company, something like that, a little bit different today's focus, although a lot of what you're going to talk about will probably apply to just about any company, um, but today's focus is really on how to market for professional service type companies. Um, so one of the things that dawned on me, and maybe right now is not the best time to quote Woody Allen, um, but I believe he was the one who said something about just showing up. And I feel like with a professional service company, sometimes just being the one that's there when somebody needs the service or when they go looking for one, you know, showing up on top of Google in your geography or whatnot. Um, by the way, also, are they always geographically based professional services or some of these things can be remote. So you could. Be no, no. I mean, I think, I think increasingly, uh, you know, that's again, I think the, that example of there's kind of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, more blue collar professional services, right. You know, that we think of that are local. Right. And then there's this higher end professional service that basically, you know, is increasingly virtual. Right. You know, all, we, we live in Portland, Oregon. Um, a lot of our clients are software, cloud companies, kind of tech companies. Um, Portland, Oregon is a tech town, but it's mostly hardware. And so, you know, historically, all of our client base has been up and down the West Coast, but not so much in Portland. Um, you know, if people wonder why I live in Portland, there's, there's a million reasons for that. But one of it was a great deal on a house. My father-in-law basically said, he'd built houses for his whole life. He said, he lived in Seattle and he said, look, for my daughters, I will build them a house at cost as long as you basically are labor on it for nine months. And, but it has to be within driving distance of Seattle. So we picked Portland. And right. so that's where we ended up. Um, but like, because I grew up in Chicago, and my wife grew up in Seattle. And um, but, you know, so our client base has always been remote. So we've been used to that for a long time. And th okay. that's also affected our view of marketing um, in a lot of ways that ended up being very beneficial when COVID hit. I mean, I never want to say that COVID was a good thing on any level, but with all things, we have to look at what blessings came out of even tragedy. Right. And one no, of the things that, you I'll know, go there, ahead. Are yeah. some, there are some COVID's terrible, but there are some good things. I'll say there's some good things that have come out of it. Like remote work was launched 10 years ahead of where it would be because of COVID. 
Um, and I, th I think it is important to look at it and not say everything about COVID is bad. No, there are some good, like if we try to make, say the good things are bad because they're related to COVID, it's like, no, no, some of the reactions we did to COVID caused good things. And we can recognize that and say, there are some positive side effects of it, let's say. And remote working, definitely one of them. I think that's going to have massive ripples throughout our, our economy and how people work and and how people find jobs and all kinds of stuff. But so the professional services companies can be either local or not. Like some of them, I imagine, would have to be local. When you have your your IT networking company, something like that, maybe that does physical stuff with your network, you're going to need some. Right, right. Um, and then some of them can be completely remote. So it's a mix mix of the two there. Yeah, although I would say like increasingly, even in those examples you gave, like, I mean, I think services can be delivered remotely increasingly, right? If you graphed um, the size of purchase order that we've been able to create for a services contract from 2000 to now, you know, 2000 was when I started on my entrepreneurial journey. Um, and you graphed it against the number of times you had to meet the client in person to make that purchase order happen. You know, in 2000, it was probably a ratio of like one to one. Almost every meeting had to be in person to make that thing move along, right? And now the size of that purchase order is much bigger that you can execute on virtually and create. And the number of in-person touches is even pre-COVID was falling to like, very minimal amounts. Like you may even have a huge deal and maybe one time you have to meet the person in person before you, you know, and all the rest of those touch points can just be virtual. Right, right. Okay, so even more virtual now than, than in the past. Um, all right, so that's kind of a, an overview on professional services, what's meant there. Now let's get into it. The topic again is marketing for professional service companies. And uh, we got Sean Campbell, CEO of Cascade Insights, and focusing on the marketing part. What's what makes it different? I mean, what's professional services? Do they need to? Is everything different? Are there a couple little different aspects we can hit on? I would say everything's different from product. <laughs> I mean, it is because it, it is because one of the biggest differences is um, people are struggling to figure out a few things when they buy services and you have to provide answers to these. Um, and the more you can do it explicitly in your marketing, the better. One thing they're trying to figure out is what do you not know? Because with services, they're buying context, they're buying expertise, e even, even all the blue collar ones we mentioned, right? You're buying somebody who can do your law in your way all the way up to your accountant, you want them to basically work with your kind of business. You don't want an accountant that only works with the Fortune 50 working with your 25-person shop or vice versa. Um, in our context, they want to know that we really understand the technology landscape so we can provide meaningful insights and recommendations and marketing advice. And so they're desperately trying to figure out, what do you not know? Right. And, and that's a little different. And I would say there is a little correlation, like on products, most of the time people are trying to figure out what does this thing not do well? It's why we sort Amazon reviews by least helpful, right? You know what I mean? It's why, why we don't trust the five stars. We flip it around and we go to the ones, mm -hmm. right? And we're like, oh, it's cheap and horrible and breaks in six months, right? Okay, I won't buy it. I wonder who wrote all these five-star reviews. And with services firms, they fall into this trap of kind of never creating a boundary around the business because they're smart people 
and they feel like they can just kind of incrementally do new things. Well, also probably right? when they started out, you're small and you want to take any business you can get. So well, people right, say, what right. do you do? And you're like, what do you want me to do? I right, do right. And, and I would say that that is the seed of the first sin, right? Basically, because what happens then is if you don't figure out a way to box that and stop that from growing, you will eventually reach some point where a couple of years later, you've got clients in all these different industries and all these different spaces, and you're desperately trying to like productize what you do and turn it into this like specific mousetrap is all the advice you get. Like, here's my three-step training program and here's my four-step checklist and here's my five-step whatever. But here's the problem. Everybody starts to look at those things and they're like, well, it's another checklist and it's another training program, right? What they really want again is they want to know, like, do you really know them? And, right. and what I'm trying to get at is you, you can keep telling them, you know, them, or you can just say what you don't do. Right. Because the minute you say what you don't do, they're going to trust that more because they know you're making a conscious choice to not go after a certain type of business. And I've had owners say, well, like, I, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You can't do that. Like there's things you don't do. I mean, there's absolutely things you don't do. I mean, the, the, the landscaper doesn't do concrete work. Right. right. Or even maybe take down a the, tree. And, yeah. Right, right. Or the market and the market research firm doesn't do accounting. Right. There's some boundary that you can draw. And, and by drawing it in advance, what we create is trust. And we create a scenario where the guy that comes to your site now doesn't have to go hunt and pack around and figure out what about you isn't good. You've already told them this is not what I do. And, and when you look at a sea of competitors where everybody else is just saying, we're smart, hire us, we're smart, hire us. And you're the only one who's saying, yeah, but for us, this is not what we want to do. Right. This is the one if, thing if he, that we do well. And that happens to be what they need. You're going to get that business over the guy who says, for instance, we're a data company. We only do business data. We don't do consumer data. And I've told people probably once a month, it comes up. I tell them, look, don't go to a, if you need consumer data, don't go to a company that provides both. And if you need business data, don't go to a company that provides both. They're going to specialize right. in one or the other. It's highly unlikely they're great at both. Get somebody who's, who's focused on, on one versus the other. Okay. So right. but it takes, but it takes discipline as the business owner to do that. That's the mm -hmm. thing. No, nobody in your company is probably going to be as good at it as you, because everybody else is going to come to you and say, the seller is going to say, well, hey, I got this cool deal and I'd really like to go after it, right? Oh, no, and the I... marketer is going to say, let's do a brand awareness campaign and let's do this big uplift campaign. And it's really broad and they're not going to want to narrow it sometimes, right? Oh, and yeah. your, your delivery team, you know, they might be the ones who like doing the same thing more often than not. Yep. They're the ones that you're going to feel a little more comfort with. Um yeah, but our our data problem. team is like no, fo please focus only on on the business data. Right, right. You're gonna you're gonna find that, and 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 that they're telling you something there. They're saying like we can provide a lot of value. Now, all this to say, I'm not saying you can't make incremental changes over time and grow your business, right? But and what you do, but you have to be very conscious of what that is. And and I've sometimes basically coined this whole thing, um, the age of narrow. You know, the idea that in everything we do. And I'm not talking about narrow thinking because we got plenty of that out there. But like, I just mean, everybody wants a narrow queue. They want it in Netflix. They want it in Hulu. They want, you know, like I, I, I've recently fallen in love with Russian sci-fi movies. I have no idea why, but I can access them now and I can watch three days worth of Russian sci-fi if I want to. And like, 
you know, people want the same thing when they work with service providers. They want to figure out like who's narrow and who can I match with. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I, I think it's one of the most important things anybody could do. It's interesting. I mean, even when inviting people on the show to come and guest on the podcast here, when we reach out to them, it's not like, hey, can you talk about marketing? Like that's way too broad. We say, how narrow right, can right. you get with the subject? And that's why, you know, when, uh, when we found you and it was, uh, yeah, I want to talk about marketing for professional service companies. It was, okay, great. That's niche. That's, that's right. People are going to be interested in that. And maybe all of our list, maybe half of our listeners have tuned out already, but half of them are in professional service companies and saying, finally, somebody speaking specifically to us. When we started the show, uh, we had been looking for podcasts on B2B marketing, and this was years ago, and there were a handful of them, but they kept going away, and or they were talking about consumer marketing 99% of the time, even though like the name of the podcast would be B2B Marketing Life or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Then it was all about consumer, and we're like, no, we want to focus on this, please. Can you? So anything we could find that specifically said B2B in it, we were like, thank God, finally. Yes, this is narrow for, for, for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, B2B gets a little short thrift, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think, I think part of it is because, you know, like it goes, it goes all the way back to the university setting. Honestly, like I taught in an MBA program for a while and I was like the only guy who would bring up a B2B example. And I think the reason's pretty simple is like, um, we all live B2C. Right. So we, we can all very quickly kind of make up an analogy of like buying credit at the grocery store, or buying a car, or you know what I mean? Or we went straight you know, to lawn right. maintenance. We do it on this show still. We'll use consumer right. products as examples sometimes and point out like, I, we know this is consumer, but it's just because everybody knows who right. Nintendo is. Yeah. You got it. You got it. Like, like one of the things we used to ask in an interview loop um, when, because again, we work in the tech sector. So we would ask like new people that would come here, they would say, Hey, I'd love to work with you guys. You work in technology. Cause that's exciting for most people, right? They're like, technology is a fast growing sector and whatever. And so one of the interview questions I used to ask is tell me a piece of technology that's not sold in Best Buy. <laughs> and like 50% of the people, it was just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, and, and they didn't get a job here. But it was a really good filter because they just, it, it's just not something a lot of people have experience with, you know? Um, and the other thing I think on marketing that's important to think about with professional wait, wait, services. Wait. Now you've oh, got go me and everybody listening still trying to think of a piece of technology not sold in Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amazon Web Services, think about yeah. that, right? You know what I mean? Or, you know, Salesforce's cloud services, right? For right. CRM, right? I mean, there, there, there's a lot of, there, there's a whole bubble of stuff out there that's technology that's not sold there. And so um, another big thing about marketing professional services firms is that I, I think sometimes there's an, um, but wrongly placed emphasis on, on being a content factory. And, and what I mean by that is, is that, yes, you have to blog. I mean, we all write to Google. I mean, it's the, it's the greatest lie in everything, right? Like you need to write to your personas. Well, most marketers are writing to Google first. You know what I mean? That's who they're writing to, <laughs> right. right? And after they're done writing to Google, they try to write to the persona because they know that if they skip over Google, well, the persona never sees the content anyway, right? And so like, that, you know, but... What I think the challenge is, is the content intelligentsia has told us over the years so much that everyone can be basically a thought leader, that these services firms, you go to them and they might have like just buckets and buckets of content, 
And what I would challenge them to do is like, keep writing that content if you're writing it to rank well, but be really specific about what it's for. Because um, like, for example, I, I would say that a lot of consulting firms, if they looked at what their web traffic's really doing, is people aren't living on those blog posts. They're not reading pages and pages and pages of your thoughtfulness before they fill out your contact form. What they're doing is they kind of do this quick, are you right? And can I fill out the form? And I think the reason for that in some ways is kind of self-evident. If they're buying smarts and contacts, well, the only real way they're going to be able to figure that out is if they talk to you. Right. So they, they very quickly jump to the contact form. So, so it doesn't mean don't write content. It just means recognize you're writing it to maybe get people to the site, but you don't, you don't have to write like these massive tomes and these massive things that maybe in the end are just a lot of time to put into that aren't really driving actual lead traffic. And I could give examples of things that we messed up with on that way. Uh, but, but that's just another key thought, I think. And you could probably save you. So you save yourself a lot of time and energy by saying, maybe I don't have to write a 2000 word thing here. Let me write a haiku. And as long as it gets people to take notice and then go to the contact us page, that's the whole goal. Right, right. I mean, the thing is, you have to look at the analytics and be fairly objective about it. Right. And I think service firm owners um, and and the leadership team can fall into kind of a, a really horrible trap of I get this ego gratification of writing or giving speeches or writing books, having and, a podcast, you know, and, yeah. right? Having a, I feel, <laughs> I feel the love, right? I feel, I feel that people tell me I'm smart, right? Let's just be honest. That's what it is. I'm smart. I have insights. I'm funny. I'm whatever it is, but you have to really, really look at that stuff and say like, okay, but is it driving actual leads, right? When I go to that conference and there's 500 people in front of me, how many of them are actually potential buyers? Right, realistically, right. Or when I write that content, how many people go to our blog, our site, and actually transit through those individual blog posts? Versus, hey, I came to the site, I saw what you were about, I like what you're about, I need to talk to you, right? And so that's that's a big piece of it for me. So, kind of, you can be more short, sweet, get to the point. I say, as we're on a forty-five minute to an hour long podcast, and this for us is content. That's why we create the podcast. It's, it's right, content. right, right. And people have said, um, you know, you can go a lot shorter, but one, I like to talk. So that stretches it out. And also sometimes we feel like these topics, people do a five, 10 minute podcast. And I know that's a consumable little bite and maybe it gets people to the contact us page. But in this case, we think you have more than five minutes of information to share. So we're going to stretch you out, Sean. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so what would you like to cover next? We had the narrow down you started out with like, Hey, be narrow. Don't say you do everything. Say you're really right. good. And that makes me think, let's say you do three specific things. Even then within your marketing, probably don't say all the things when somebody's looking for, like, say each one, like this, this is our specialty. This is, you might get a law firm that has five areas, but in their marketing, they probably each, each piece of marketing probably focuses on one of the areas that they specialize in. So they say, yes, we specialize in this type of law firm. You know, when you, when you get your jaywalking ticket, you want to go to the guy who specializes in jaywalking cases. Um, probably not the best example. No, but... no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so, so can you have multiple niches kind of that you focus on individually saying, Hey, here's our specialty. Here's our specialty. Here's our specialty. Or does that create 
problems when people see like, wait a second, you said you specialize in this, but I see you saying over here that this is what you do. Well, I think, I think one answer to that is like, can you specialize in who you serve? Right. I mean, you know, can you, can you, can you up level that a little bit and say, okay, I really, really meet the needs of a B2B marketer in a B2B technology company. And, and that's what we do. And then for that person, we have a variety of service areas, but you know, and then it goes back to, well, who are we not going to serve? So I think you can definitely do that, but you have to make it clear. Um, you know, at, at, at some point, you just have to look at your own content and say, are we actually saying no to anything at some point? <laughs> and I think for most sites, there, there isn't that, you know, that okay. just doesn't exist. So kind of the rule is make sure you're saying no to something. They're saying something you don't do. You can't uh, right, specialize right, in everything. Right. Yeah, yeah, it it'll liberate you at the end of the day. I re- I really do think that. And um, you know, a, another place where I personally feel um, services firms get a little aside is around social. I, I I understand social works in some cases, right? But um, but I think for most high end consulting firms, which is what we do, you know, that sell to larger companies, they're not looking through Twitter to find a supplier. Right. They're, they're not. I just don't really <laughs> think they are. I mean, I can think of cases where it makes sense. You know, we've got good friends of ours who own this really awesome um, calling a custom woodworking isn't even co- even close to it. But they do these like amazing, amazing creations. And, you know, they get a lot of business through Instagram because they're showing a bunch of pictures of of their tables. But what are we talking about there? That's a product. Right. Right. You know what I mean? That's what that's what they're doing. And so I think. um I think social is one of those things where it's very, very easy to fall into the trap of like, I got a lot of likes, I got a lot of engagement, but did anything go through the lead form? Did anything at all? And then right. marketers will tend to hide behind like, well, you don't understand. It was brand uplift. It was whatever. And, and this gets to something else that I think is really important. Marketers have invented, um, this is true of both sides, but marketers have invented an array of statistics to avoid saying I got no leads. You, you know what I mean? They basically right. invented this incredible array of, of like numbers and stats. And it's, and it's comical because even in the marketing work we do, right, we'll, we'll do an inbound call with somebody and we'll start talking to them. And I'll say, so uh, how many leads did you get off your website last quarter? Well, it's been, it's, it's been less than we thought. So, um, how many of those leads were qualified? Well, I mean, not as many as we would right. like. And finally, like seven questions later, they'll say, yeah, we don't get any leads. The matter. <laughs> but and let I, me I, show you these other big but, numbers. But right. But let me, but let me show you this Google analytics and let me show you our brand uplift statistics. And let me show you how many people follow us on Facebook. And let me show you how many people like have retweeted our content. And I'm like, you have a failure to focus. That's what you have, right? You, you, you have jumped over what really matters. And, and I'm not against creativity, right? I think sometimes when people hear a marketer bang the drum of leads are the only thing that matter, they hear two things. What, did you used to work in sales? And then two, they think, um, well, that's too, mu- that's too narrow. And I'm like, well, no, it's not too narrow because at the end of the day, if you're not driving that kind of activity, if the lead form isn't getting filled in, you're doing something wrong. And, and a good example of that, to give you folks a concrete example is we, you know, we built this thing that 
what's called the ultimate conference list. And so a number of years ago, we said, we're going to go list every technology conference on earth in this list. And we built it. Within a couple months, it was the most traffic thing on our site. Like 20 times X, any other page. It was the first page, first link in Google when you type things like tech conference. Right. Clients said, key point, clients said, great, love the asset, all this feedback. Six months later, do you know how many people went through that page to the lead form? Zero. Zero. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where like, and it wasn't a bad page and it didn't have the wrong CTA and it, did, it was fine had the same language of anywhere else on the site that was working. But what we saw there was this thing where you can have this black hole in your marketing that's just sucking up everything. Right. And you're, you're not listening to the fact, is it actually converting? So it was converting it vanity metrics. Like totally. they could point to, look at all this awesome stuff we're doing. Right, right, right. But not converting. Well, and worse yet, sales. the clients were even a bad signal because the clients were saying, it's valuable to me. Right. But the problem is, you know, marketing's first job is to bring in new business, right? Is it valuable to sales? We know it's valuable to existing oh, clients. Right, 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 right. It's cause that's another place marketing goes and hides is that they hide in like, well, let's remarket and let's market to existing customers. And I understand that's useful, but that's again, more in a B2C context, right? I mean, in a, in a services firm context, the best remarketing is going to happen by your delivery team and your sales team. They're the ones that own the relationship after that starts. Right. You could probably, I, this would be a sobering statistic for most marketers, but this is another thing different about services marketing is most of your services clients never go back to your website after they talk to you. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's nothing really there for them. Um, they, they're they, they talking to you. contact with you. Yeah. They already have contact with you. They, they, they have direct connection with the smart person that's writing all that stuff anyway. So why would, you know, now there'll be exceptions. Sometimes you'll hear like, hey, I read your blog post and I thought it was cool, right? Or I checked out, but, but you know, but different than product. Because on product, we always go back to the product site. We're like, what have they released now? And what are they going to do now? And, you know, and do I have support for my product? And, you know, I have questions about my product and, oh, they're going to give me an upgrade. Right. Software as a you service, you're there because that is the service. You're right, right. You're there, you're on the site. But like, but, you know, so that's another factor is, is your site really optimized for a single visitor that comes once that fills out the lead form? And, and that doesn't mean it's thin and that doesn't mean that it's lacking depth, but is it optimized for that single experience, which is really what it should be in a services context, or is it optimized for you're a genius, you say a lot, you talk a lot, and you hope that everybody comes back and tells you you're a genius. Now which really is unfortunately like what a lot of services pain. firm sites look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it's not that that's bad, right? We all need a little ego gratification. We need to know that we're smart. But the, but the website has a purpose. And when right. we change the purpose into our own ego gratification, and it's not actually the purpose of what the site is supposed to do, which is generate leads, um, kind of just wasting time and money at that point. And then people say, well, my marketing doesn't work or doesn't convert, whatever. And I, I would say you, you failed to get narrow, you failed to look at what matters, and you failed to optimize the site for the actual pathway that really was the most important, which is the first time visitor. Right. And I, you're using a word here, which has been misused a lot uh, recently, I feel like, but purpose. A lot of companies, 
they hear the word purpose and they think, yeah, what's our charity? What's our, what's our, but you kept using it right. as in like, what's the purpose of your website? Like, what's the goal you really want to get about? What should it be versus just, do you have a lot of people viewing well, and listening well, right. type well, thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that relates to something else that's kind of interesting, a little off topic, but I think, um, I think we're in a weird place with kind of marketing and purpose and goals and, and that kind of statements, right? Oh we, yeah. No, no, almost, that's way off top. I mean, you were using yeah. purpose in a different meaning. I prefer yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm not a big fan of purpose marketing. I've spoke about it at length on this show. I think it's 99% bullshit. Um, but you're, no, 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 that's good. I was going to, I was going to just briefly agree with you. Like, like I think, um, I think, you know, just to pick on Patagonia, right? I like them, right? Or we could pick on somebody else. But, you know, we're almost going to reach the point that we're going to have a red Patagonia and a blue Patagonia. And people are only going to buy from red or blue Patagonia, which is like, which here's an interesting stat. If you haven't come across it, it's interesting on that. They did a, a big study about a year ago that I wish people talked about more. And they said, okay, so all this like activism marketing or purpose-driven marketing. So what really happens? And what they realized is the tribe that you bonded with, sure, they buy a little more from you. The tribe you offended, they make more people not buy from you because anger goes farther than happiness, unfortunately. So they're angry. So they, they say, I don't really like red or blue Patagonia because they're on right. the other side, right? And they tell everybody never to buy from Patagonia. So a year later, Patagonia technically has less sales because they picked a flag to fly than if they did the other thing. And I look at that and think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the I end mean, of the day, not that it's all about sales, but it is about sustaining yeah. your company and providing growth for your employees. And so you, you have to marry that real world impact against, I have this thing I want to go change in the world. So I'm going to raise this flag. And um, my problem is I don't think ahead, they have yeah. a thing they actually want to change usually. And it's oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there's that too. Usually it is marketing. Marketing says like, hey, I read this book. We need to have a purpose and a why. What's it going to be? And somebody's like, how about creating leads for sales? Or, <laughs> And they're like, shut up. It needs to be a, something charitable. Um, that's got to be what right, we're, but, right. you know, but we make software that does X, Y, Z. Can't we focus on that? And they're like, no, no, no. We, we really need to have this higher purpose thing where we prove to people that we love them. Like, how about we love to solve their problem that our purpose, real purpose is here on this planet? And they're like, no, no, no. It has to be some other form of outside love, uh, nothing to do with our company. I like your version of purpose better. And, you know, I, I tell people our company, what's, what's our purpose uh, to provide quality data for people. That's our purpose is to solve that problem for people, to allow people to have more time for themselves. Cause they're not going through spreadsheets and mucking around with stuff. They shouldn't have to, to, to solve their data problem. Like that's fine as a purpose. You don't have to have some higher level. Now, some companies do naturally some acquire a purpose and it's a good thing still, but you're talking about this, this polarized purpose, choosing a side. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, stay out of that. Have your purpose well, and, be and again, puppies to, or to something. Each, right, to each their own, right? I mean, right. like, I, I'm fine with that. But like, you know, one of the things um, we we believe in around here is that, um, and I, I want to, I'm saying this a little carefully because I've got a joint business owner. <laughs> so I want to, I want to say it the way we would both say it, right? And agree is, um because I'm a co-owner along with him is like, um, you know, we, we believe that 
you know, there's a goodness that comes out of the company not taking sides because then everybody can feel welcome. In other words, you know what I mean? I, I'm not in a company that has like a particular set of flags flying from the mast kind of thing. And I think that's, that's a good thing. And, and I, I, you know, and I, I think that's to your point about purpose-driven marketing, it's the same thing. You know, they kind of want to tie to certain things that maybe aren't going to drive the leads. And that's, and that's really at the end of the day, what we're going to have to be focused on. Yeah. It's when, a, you know, a company shouldn't really pick a team shouldn't pick a sports team, a political team. And I believe most of the time, because you alienate a lot of employees, potential employees, clients, right, it's unnecessary. Right. Like our yeah, team yeah, is our yeah. product versus our competitor's product. <laughs> That's the team side. Right, we're right. Going exactly, for. exactly. And, and you know, um, no, a hundred percent, you know, and you go like, um, and like one of the things we do though, proactively there is that, um, you know, we give employees, um, a day, a day a year to volunteer for whatever they want to do paid. Right. And so like, we, we want to enable people to support whatever cause they want to go do. I don't have any problem with that, but like, you know, to your point, you know, we want to, we don't want to like bond to a team for the sake of a team kind of thing. Right. Right. Give people, uh, you know, give people election day off to go vote regardless of what party they're with or whether right, they're going it. to vote at all. Even um, that, you got it. Yeah. So the purpose though, I love that the purpose of your marketing. So whether it's a blog or your website or your think about what's its purpose, what's, and it's usually leads and sales. Sometimes marketing is saying, Hey, no, we do need some branding built that helps sales. Okay, great. But focusing, it seems uh, with these, especially with the service companies we're talking about here, um, focusing on the purpose of the individual piece of marketing and what you want to get out of it. So signature line, you want people to open the email. Email body, you want people to click on a call to action or do whatever the call to action is. Kind of a, applying that to every step along the process, to everything you create. So you're not writing a book when you could write a short blog post. Yeah, well, you, you could call it even kind of like a job to be done. That's like a, a phrase that's used in certain kinds of uh, product research. And it was kind of coined by a guy named Clayton Christensen and some other folks back in the day. But the... Um, um, but basically this idea of people hire products to do a job and everything in your marketing has to have a job. And if you don't really know what its job is, stop investing in it for a while. Like, right. like, and cause it's really, it's really easy to have that happen. You know, I, I, I think, I think to your point, it's very easy to have a bunch of things get launched as marketing initiatives inside your team. Um, and, and you kind of, everybody's busy, but nothing's changing, right? right. And you got to ask yourself, well, wh why are we even investing in these things? And, and, and I would say the quickest thing to do is to say everybody on the team, you know, what job is that marketing initiative supposed to solve for, right? And, and it can't be squishy, right? To your point, it can't be like, you know, well, it's brand awareness. I would go so far as to say some of the least ROI generating marketing activities ever have had a title called brand awareness. Um, you know, <laughs> they, yeah, uh, especially you if know. you're a small company, because your brand awareness is going to come one-on-one -on -one with the client at that point. And then as you grow, you know, more brand awareness will happen as you get more clients. And right. Whatever. But right. small companies trying to have large brand awareness, like to what end can, you know, can you even serve those clients. Let's imagine what you were doing worked and suddenly you got this 
flood of clients from your Super Bowl ad, you're a two person company. What are you going to do about it? Like you right. can't even hire right. fast enough. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I want to get around. Um, I want to get around to you, what you do, what your company does there. So Sean Campbell, CEO, Cascade Insights. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the focus of your company? What, what is it you guys don't do? Um, well, we don't work with anybody who isn't B2B. We don't work with anybody who is um, not a technology company. And we mean that fairly narrowly. In other words, like, you know, software, cloud services, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we typically work with a B2B marketer inside a company. Um, we'll sometimes work with a product leader or whatever. Um, and what we do for them is we do research and we do a lot of um, messaging and kind of, you know, positioning work for them as well. And a lot of marketing strategy and, you know, but like a, a perfect example of what we don't do is I tell people all the time, I would love it if we could go work for SpaceX, like absolutely love it. I, I think that guy's doing awesome stuff. I know, I know some people like Elon and some people don't, but oh yeah, seriously. you just got yourself in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but seriously, a guy who can have a rocket blow up and he calls it a rapidly unscheduled disassembly. I mean, like that, that I, that's pretty awesome. NASA, oh. NASA could use more of this guy. Right. And NASA does cool stuff too. Like look at the, the Mars perseverance rover, but still, um, I would, that's technology. I'd love it if NASA called, but we, we'd say no to NASA. I don't know anything about rockets. Right. I mean, I, I really don't. And so I, you know, that's, those are the kinds of lines we draw, you know, a similar thing. Some guy might call and say like, I do HVAC systems for hundred story buildings. Well, that's technology, but that's not technology we know. Right. And so, um, so that's where we draw the lines for us. And then my role, like I said, is I'm a co-owner. I've been here since we started. And uh, I had up the sales and the marketing team, uh, both our marketing and marketing consulting. And then I also do a lot of the business operations stuff. And then my business partner leads the research team. Okay. So you need to, I've heard you say this a couple of times, the research part. It also sounds like you guys don't, you do marketing, but you don't do lead generation specific marketing. So the stuff we've been talking about, like, the, but does it produce leads? You guys aren't generating leads. You're doing a lot more um market research studies, those kind of things for people? Well, yeah, yeah. For, for, for us, where, where we're focused on is going to be, um, are you saying the right things to the right people? But if you were to sum it up, that's, that's a decent way of thinking about it. You know, like, um, you know, our research is going to tell people things like, are you addressing the wrong persona in your marketing? Are you uh, messaging the wrong way to that persona? Are you putting your content in the wrong place. So that person's never going to see it. That's not, that's not the sources of information they use. Right. right. And then on the marketing side, we're going to take those insights and we're going to say, okay, here's a new messaging framework for your product, for your site, um, you know, for your service. And, you know, let's help get you started by writing some of that content so that you've got basically the kernel that you can use to mirror against when you go build other assets and things down the line. And so, so that's, you know, so no, it's not um, bare knuckles lead gen, but it's the things that basically, if you don't do right, you'll never create leads. Cause if you don't say the right things to the right people in your marketing, ain't nobody coming home All at right. that point. We, I mean, in the data business, a lot of what we do is giving people the data they ask for, but frequently our best salespeople know how to figure out what the client actually needs, 
versus what they think they need. Cause frequently they don't know their target very well and they have to look right. at them and say, you think maybe you want to target these titles instead of those or also, or because for what you're doing, most clients we have in this space, like here's who they're targeting or, right, right. you know, maybe they don't even understand the data too. So they're not quite targeting the right title types, the right departments, the right size companies, that, that, that kind of stuff. So you're helping people with that kind of thing, making sure you're putting your messaging out there, but it's not getting to the right people or it's not the right messaging for the people that, that you're putting it out Correct. to type of stuff. Yeah. I feel like that market research is part of the area that a lot of marketers want to do, know they should do, but don't know how to and never actually get around to, or it's so ethereal. They just don't know how to start half the time. So you just don't quite do it. They'll, they'll work on branding and lead generation instead, but never really get into that area. So that's good to, uh, to know you guys do that. And uh, I imagine on your site, there's some materials people can go and look at to see a little yeah, more about. Yeah. 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 yeah we'll, it, it, it's all laid out. Excellent. We'll get that. We'll get to that to more later, but just, I wanted people to make sure people knew what your company does and, uh, and, and what you do there. That's uh, again, Sean Campbell, CEO of Cascade Insights, uh, providing marketing services, a lot of research services. Am I getting mm -hmm. that right? Yep. Yep. You're getting that right. Excellent. And then, uh, so let's jump back here. We got a little bit more time to this uh, marketing for professional service companies. Um, what about like professional service companies can, can vastly vary in their size. So do you guys work with all sizes? Is there a particular size that you typically work with or specialize in? And how does the marketing differ for different size companies? Yeah, well, for, for us, um, the, the, the super small ones we don't really work with. I mean, they're, they're either not going to have the budget for research or they're not going to necessarily have the budget for external support. So it's going to be, you know, up or small, up through the, you know, the largest enterprises. And um, yeah, their needs are going to vary a fair amount. I mean, like large enterprise companies are, are typically going to want, um, you know, more of kind of a messaging framework or kind of a strategy driven effort. Typically, you know, they might have legions of content people who kind of are already producing content. What they really want is to understand um, how they might be poorly messaging to the market today. Um, the smaller folks, they might need more of the tactical things. They might need just like, you know, a website rewrite in terms of the messaging on the site. They might need like landing pages written. They might need all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, it, from, from what we do, you know, that's typically how things vary from the, the largest guys down to the smallest. I would imagine maybe this large ones also have a niche they focus on. They say, we do this, but they're going to open another department or another product line that focuses on a they're expanding basically. And so they need that area worked out some. Right, right, right. Exactly. They're, they're, they're typically evolving an existing solution or they're going to kind of expand another one, you know, on the big set company side. Right. All right. Now uh, the type of marketing work you guys do or the type of marketing work that these professional service companies should be doing. Uh, do you have any favorite channels? Like you've talked about, Hey, don't be doing this. And social media can be a little bit of right. a, content rabbit hole sometimes what what are your favorite channels for professional services companies it's an interesting one because there's there's not a ton um i wish there was um <laughs> I, I i i i read a lot of books um i i've read a lot of alan weiss's stuff he goes by the moniker the contrarian consultant 
Um, he's got a lot of good things to say about positioning and, um, you know, value-based selling and a lot of things along those lines. Um, it, other books that impacted me along the way were like the E-Myth Revisited, uh, which is a really good book about professional services. Um, another guy, David Maester, wrote a book called Managing the Professional Services Firm, which is really good. Uh, there's also a newer one. I forget the author, but I think it's called Positioning for Professionals. And um, that's a pretty good book. I, 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 it's been pretty rare for me to find like a blogger or somebody that, um, talks about it, you know, consistently, you know, to your point earlier, there's, there's a lot of B2C out there. There's very little B2B. There's also a lot of products and there's very little services discussion when it comes to marketing. Um, and so I, I've honestly had to kind of learn, learn it on the ropes myself. And at the same time, kind of just to found a couple of authors and books over the years that were pretty, pretty impactful. Interesting. So, I mean, you're talking about content you're consuming on the topic, but yeah. yeah. And that my, my question was intended for kind of content for professional service companies, where should they be doing their marketing? Should they be? On oh, oh interest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in your answer, you kind of put out almost that, Hey, maybe, Although you're you're look you're a different audience than their audience, but yeah, would, yeah, yeah. Would no, you but recommend they about... write a book then, or should they be no, on no, no. other if areas? Yeah, if you were going to say content for professional services, I would say, um, you know, pick your main personas that you want to sell to, and and really write to their jobs to be done. That that that's what I would do. I mean, and if you do that and you do that with regularity, you're going to be fine. Right. I think when you write about um, some unique mousetrap that you've created or you kind of write about, you know, the history of your company or you write about um, some rant that you like to talk about a lot, um, I, I don't think it's really going to have as much of an impact. Um, I, you know, at the end of the day in content, people want to see themselves. And so the more you can write to that, they can see themselves in your content. That's it. I, another thing that I would say is, and this is this is kind of unfortunate because I'm not a negative person, but I would say people probably respond to slightly negative content better than positive. Meaning, it's so often for to look at the marketing of a company, and it, it's rainbows and unicorns and sunshine. You know, it's it's all written in this like we can help, and you're awesome. And right. we do these five great things, you know, all with And we love you. <laughs> and we love you. And, yeah. you know, you're awesome, you know, and it's like the Lego movie, like everything is awesome, you know, and like, and I just, I think people tune that out. I think they do. I, I wish they didn't, you know, I wish the view of the world wasn't the minute I see a marketer yelling at me with a everything is awesome five point listicle that I'm supposed to tune it out. But that's what I think they kind of do these days, right? And so doing it, that's natural though. Like if everybody right, was right. negative, we'd start tuning out negative. If everybody's doing right, right, right. Well, yeah. Although by negative, what I mean is is keeping it real. Like like if there is something that is really challenging to that person in their job, like talk about that. You know, oh, if there's right. something that they they really you know that they really struggle with, to, you know, in that role, and you know them well enough to communicate that bring that up. You know, I, I mean, I, I, it might even be better to say it's not so much negativity. It's just reality. Right. So one like, of the talk things, about- uh, I don't think it's on the front page of our site anymore, but one of the lines we had up there at one point was we love data. So you don't have to. Right. You got, you know, it's a perfect example, right? Like, like 
we know you don't want to care about this, but you have to care about this. And we are happy to do that. Like that's where happiness is. Happiness is me doing that for you. It's like it's a plumber not, saying, we clean up your shit. Like, right. You don't right want totally. To right. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. It's like, okay, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we mow your lawn so you can watch the game. <laughs> yep. Okay. We won't even shame you while you're watching the game and we're outside. Yeah, right, right, right. We, we mow your lawn so you can watch the game because that's your trade-off, right? As opposed to we use the best chemicals and have the best and your grass will be the greenest. Like what is the job you're getting hired to do? You're getting hired so that person can watch the game on Sunday. That That's what you're really getting hired to do. And I, you hit it on the head and it's, it's very similar messaging you'd find on our site where we're basically just keeping it incredibly real about our relationship and, and why they hire us. So right? you can focus I mean, on the solution sometimes, but you're saying focus on the problem sometimes too, like point out the problem, not just the solution. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, um, yeah, I don't know why marketers steer away from it sometimes, to tell you the truth. I think um, <laughs> another example of that is um, for us, we talk about, we get hired 80% of the time for pain and 20% of the time for opportunity Right. as, as researchers. Um, and even as marketers, I would say the same. And what you find, if you looked across a lot of marketing for market research firms and marketers, you see a lot of people saying, we'll take your company to the next level. You know what I mean? We'll move, you know, we'll move you here. We'll help you with, you know, reach new heights or whatever, you know, thing they're going to say. Most companies reach out because they're under pain, you know, their competitors beating the life out of them. You know what I mean? Or like they, or, or their product sucks, right? Or they, yeah. or, and they don't want to tell anybody, right? Or their sales team are idiots. Or you right? say companies and, reach out, but companies don't reach out. People do. Well, true. Like sometimes people, people do, right? yeah. reach out because yeah. they're like, oh shit, I need this taken care of. Or I'm going to lose my job because I don't. Right, right, right. And, 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 and it's, it's kind of a broader thing, even beyond um, services. You know, I talked to a company once that was um, a SaaS company and this happens a lot. Like small SaaS companies will come to us and they'll, you know, we'll ask them like, how are you guys positioned or whatever you do? And they'll always be like, we are the only, and I go, stop. <laughs> we're the just only stop. company talking to you right now yeah right right we're we the are only. the only should just be deleted from all web messaging it should be like the blink tag it should just be like never you know like that never got used again after a six-month window of the entire internet blinking you know way back in the day right and so like and then it all stopped like no, every once in a while only. somebody's the only when my company started we had a unique Thing that we were the only, but it went, it goes away really quick. Well, that's the thing. You got to keep it real. Like, like, you know, a lot of these startups will say like, we are the only, and I'm kind of, and the thing I always say back is like, okay, one, people don't trust we are the only anymore. That's your first problem. Your second problem is um, you really have to prove it then like really, really, really prove it. And the third problem is if you were really the only, that only means one of two things is happening. Either A, you aren't because you're just unaware of the other, we are the only, oh, right? Well, there's, you know, there's there, three things then. There's, yeah, one of three. Yeah, yeah. And, and then there's the second one, which is um, you're in a space that's going to have a lot of we are the onlys, right? You've defined a space and there's just going to be a lot more people in it six months from now right. or six years from now. And so it's not a sustainable differentiator. And I, I remember one conversation in particular, we, um, 
Well, I would say I use it as long as you can. When you have the only, right? either people don't, my two things were either people don't want it. So who gives a shit that you're the only, right? or right. you really have something unique and you probably shouldn't be talking to some firm about anything except for how do I hire more salespeople? Because if people want it and you're the only, then they should be lined up around the door to get well, it. Well, well right. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. You, that, your problem isn't marketing then. You, you yeah. should just like, to your point, just hire salespeople, right? Because if you're really the only, they should just go walk to the next person and say, we are the only, and they go, really? And yeah. they say they give them money, right? And I mean, then, I mean maybe you market, you... but you can actually just go out and say, we're the only, and people will come to you. Because early on, we were right. the only company with um, B2B lists that had emails. And I can tell you right now, we should have just hired a lot more salespeople because it was really easy to walk up to people and say, we have this and they say, great, how do I get it? Where do I order? How much do you have? How much can I buy? Um, right. We were the, very quickly, all the other data companies said, oh, we need to start adding emails. This is where things are going. And we weren't the only anymore, but we had this finite period of time where we really were. And we didn't have, we didn't need to go out and talk about messaging because yeah, we could say the dumbest stuff we have, we're the only company that has this thing that people really want. Uh, very easy to make that sale. Right, right, right. And, and what we're both saying is you have to look at that really, really tightly and ask yourself, are, are you really that? And, you know, the company I was going to mention that um, I was talking to at the time, they, they almost got a little annoyed by it. And we've noticed that sometimes we're like, they're like, well, we really are like, cause it, to tie it back to what you said about purpose, you know, somewhere in that building is a big, you know, infographic or poster that says, you know, the equivalent of like, we are the only, and we will, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I, again, I, I admire companies that truly create new spaces, but the grand majority of us move into a space that has a degree of maturity. And if we're going to make that statement, we have to, we have to keep it real. So that's all yeah. we're getting at. Also frequently companies, somebody in the company, probably at the top has this, this idea in their head that they're saying, no, we always give 110%. And if somebody tells me you can't give more than hundred, I'm sorry. In fact, even reaching hundred is technically impossible. Like they don't have the right mindset and we got to get rid of them. And so they preach this. We are the only because it's a pep rally. And I right. always tell people that's great. When you have your sales meeting, do your pep rally bullshit, get people riled up. <laughs> we need that. But when you go out on the field, you have reality. And when you're talking right. to the generals, if you don't report reality, if you're losing by 50 points and your coach is telling you we're the awesomest and we're at, we're killing them. Right. No, no, right. I need you to actually tell me what's really going on. Not this pep talk bullshit, but you need to report reality and then you can pep talk, pep talk. So sometimes the, we are the only thing is part of their pep talk speech. And you have to break through that and say, but now how about reality? Cause how are we going to market this when you keep pushing we're the only we're the greatest but you're actually not it doesn't help with right. the, the trenches marketing to push this persona push this you know the fake it till you make it is fine unless you believe it when you're faking it if you actually believe yeah. it and insist everybody else believes it now you got a now you got an internal problem and you're gonna right. have a really hard time with your marketing because you're not being honest to yourself um so the yeah the, the we are the only uh issue there if you're listening and you are the only then put down your headset right now or however you're listening and <laughs> go start selling because that ain't going to last too long. Right, you, right. you don't need advice yeah. in marketing. You just need to get in front of people and, and uh, tell them that you're the only and, and uh, you'll be off and running pretty easy there. All right. Um, I think we've gone through this pretty thoroughly. Anything else that you want people to know about marketing, you know, specifically to these 
um, professional service companies, anything we haven't covered yet? No, no, we had a, we had a good, good playing field here. D- totally fine. Uh, but you know, overall, if anybody has any questions about this, they can always reach out to me. It's easy to get a hold of me at um, Sean at cascadeinsights.com or just check us out at cascadeinsights.com. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have uh, your website, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, everything in the show notes uh, for this episode. And uh, you can find that at ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please share the show on social media, tell a friend, give us a good review on iTunes, all those kinds of things. And on behalf of the If You Market team and Sean Campbell of Cascade Insights, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with a narrow scope, they will come. Hi, I'm Ross Kimbarovsky, founder and CEO of CrowdSpring. CrowdSpring helps entrepreneurs, businesses, agencies, and nonprofits with everything from custom logo design to packaging design, web design, product design, and naming for every stage of their growing business. We believe that great design doesn't have to cost thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Projects on CrowdSpring start from a few hundred dollars where we have over 220,000 freelancers around the world, letting you pick from actual designs, not bids and proposals. So if you want to free your business from high prices, risk, and lack of choice, come to crowdspring.com. Should you find yourself in need of targeted lists for your sales and marketing campaigns, have a look at topdatasearch.com. Our platform lets you quickly and easily search and download lists with email, phone, mailing address, everything you need for your sales and marketing campaigns. So if like many of our clients, you're sick of the high cost, poor data quality, and poor service of your current list provider, go to topdatasearch.com and get a free account, no seat fees, no subscription necessary, and you'll only pay for data when you need it. Use the promo code IFYOUMARKET1000 and get an extra 1,000 free download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.